It's been a hot minute, dude. It has been a hot minute. Yeah, it's yeah. good to be back. Um, we have some fun updates about the show. Uh, we mentioned when we went off air for a hiatus that when we come back, we're going to have some different things going on, new updates, all that kind of fun stuff. And here they are for you before we dive into our show today. One, you will not be getting one episode of the Roundtable per week. No, 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 no. You will be getting two. Two? Two episodes? <laughs> uh, one will primarily be like the movie news-based kind of show that we do for the front half of our usual episodes. Mm-hmm. And then the other episode, which will air probably on Wednesdays or Thursdays, last minute still figuring out when that will post. But um, when that show posts, it will mostly be about one timeless topic that we can just kind of go back and forth on until we feel like stopping. Yep. So uh, it'll be more, more of a fun, actual roundtable discussion that way. Also... Um, If you are an audio-only listener, thank you for listening on the audio, and uh, your time that you get the episodes will not change. It'll be 3 a.m. Eastern and noon, um, or not noon, but uh, midnight Mm -hmm. Pacific time. However, if you subscribe to us on YouTube and you watch the video version, you'll be getting that version a whole, I think, five or six hours early. I didn't do the math before I said it. (laughs) But uh, at 9.30 Eastern time on Monday nights for the Tuesday episode, the video version of the podcast will release, and then the audio will happen at 3 a.m. Eastern on that Tuesday. And uh, whatever day we decide to post the second episode, same thing, it will be posted, the video version, the night before. So look forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun, and it'll help us come watch us on YouTube. And if you're on YouTube but you miss us, you can always catch us on audio later. Oh, and uh, you might notice it looks a little bare around me. Uh, I forecasted at the end of last year that we'd be getting a new studio and we are in about two to three weeks so you will eventually see a new studio and see that studio grow as we get moved in there i'm excited top movies of 2023 this is a video i've been wanting to make for a really fucking long time and it's been a year it has been a year and you know the oscar videos are coming soon and those are my fucking favorite videos to make i love making the oscar videos thank you guys for being here here's how it's gonna work Nicholas is going to do his list from 10 to 1. He can throw in a couple honorable mentions as well. And then uh, I will do my list, and then we'll have a fun discussion at the end. Also, just to let everyone know, because I like to brag about myself because I'm not a very good person, I saw 101 movies this year. So when I... I new releases. New releases. Let me clarify. 101 2023 movies in 2023. And I... When I pulled all of them to make my top 10 list, I pulled 38 movies. So, there's a lot that had to get left off. Uh, I did make a top 25 list, but I put that on my letterbox, and you can find a link to that top 25 in the description of this video. Nick will put a link to his letterbox in there as well, so you can see it. With that down, Nicholas, give us your list and give us your honorable mentions, sir. Yes, but also right off the top, I do want to preface that there are some movies that I did not get a chance to see that I have seen on numerous other lists, so... Don't come at me for <laughs> come at me for not having watched them. Don't come yeah. at me for them not being on the list. Those include things like uh, the new Netflix Society of the Snow, mm-hmm. Anatomy of a Fall, Godzilla Minus One, Poor Things, and Iron Claw. Uh, I'm picking those specifically because I have seen that on many lists. Yes. Um, in terms of honorable mentions, there are a few. I would say these are probably out of my top ten. This is probably eleven to fifteen range. Um, American Fiction, I really enjoyed. Uh, Air. Uh, David Fincher's The Killer, and um, fuck it, let's throw in an Asteroid City, because I like Wes Anderson. <laughs> nice. Um, but with that being down, are you ready for my dude? top 10? Fucking give it to me. Coming in at number 10 is Emerald Fennel's Saltburn, starring Barry Keoghan and Jacob Alordi, right? Yes. That's his name? Yeah, yes. Yeah. 
Uh, I really enjoyed it. I know there's been a lot of discourse online about it. Uh, I don't think it's very subtle in its commentary. I think that there's a really stupid reveal that's not a reveal, which should have just been removed from the movie, but it was very stylistic. I had a lot of fun watching it, and that's why it's in my top 10. Number nine was actually a late entry. I watched this just last week, and that is, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm so happy you watched it. It What a delight. Yeah. You know, that was just a delightful movie. It was a late watch for me, too. It was a very late watch. Um, Rachel McAdams is as charming as always. Mm -hmm. um, a great performance by uh, the actress who played Ant-Man's daughter in Ant-Man 2. I cannot think of her name off the top of my head. Uh, Kathy Bates, uh, even uh, the Safdie brother there. Mm -hmm. uh, he did good, but just a wonderful coming-of-age story that I was crying at the end, and I'm like, why am I crying about this? I'm not a little girl who's experienced this. <laughs> um, and then uh, number eight, one that might be, I think we're going to have a disagree with on, on its placement, is uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Uh, great movie. I love the whole Barbenheimer memes and stuff that mm -hmm. happened this year. Uh, really love the direction. I really hope that he's actually a top contender for best director this year. I think that it's long overdue. However, I do feel like that's probably like a, it's about time award here's, more than here's a, your award for all the work that you've done. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's had better directed movies. Um, and I think just the length and the time I was engaged with it the whole time, but just the balancing act of everything about it. Some things work, some things didn't work. Um, I think strong performances and the ensemble itself was handled very well. I'll never be upset about you saying a movie I enjoy is in your top 10. I don't care where it is. Don't worry, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> Number seven, we have the other side of the Barbenheimer coin in Barbie. Uh, just a movie that surpassed any expectation that I had for yeah, a Barbie for real. movie mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, I think that Greta Gerwig is a great director. I think her and Noah Baumbach, her partner and also her writing partner, put together something that I think was more just shocked that got approved to be made by Mattel. Cause at the end of the day, this is a corporate movie and the fact that they had that freedom to it. And also Ryan Gosling, just giving one of the best comedic performances I've ever seen. Just had a great time with it. It hit a bunch of emotional notes, comedic notes, just all around was a great time. Oh yeah. Uh, coming in at number six is another movie that hit all the emotional notes and that's uh, <laughs> past lives. Mm. Um, this one's, uh, typically I would say not a type of movie that I find myself really leaning toward a lot. I am basic. I like my action. I like my comedy yeah. and, you know, the occasional drama here and there. But this one just is an emotionally devastating movie and great performances by the entire cast. And the fact that it is Celine Song's debut is just immediately solidifying her as like someone definitely like I'll keep on your radar keep on your radar yeah. definitely see the next thing she puts out if this is if it's anything like this we're gonna be in for a treat and briefly going to what you said yeah. about um just like oh it's not your typical cup of tea a movie like this yeah. i've always been a maintainer of if it's good it's good 100 percent. people yeah. should always kind of look for movies outside of the scope of what they think they would enjoy like i'm not a particularly fond anime person mm -hmm. But I try to watch as many as I can because sometimes they just blow me away. Movies like Your Name, like, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes I'm not as big a fan as other people. But like, you should always look for things because if it's good, it's good. A, a good movie transcends yes your expectations Correct. of it, and when even if it's something you don't typically gravitate toward, you know you cannot like rom coms. When you watch a good rom com, though, you acknowledge yeah. that's a good, good. rom com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of animated, though, my number five, we're in the fives now, is uh, The Boy and the Heron, uh, the new Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, just blown away by the animation in it. Uh, I thought the story was very touching. I connected a lot with it. I thought the uh, voiceover work, we saw the uh, subbed version, so it was the original cast. I thought they all did a great job. I am very excited to watch the dub, though, just hearing Robert Pattinson's yes. <laughs> uh, voice of the Heron. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I really have not seen that many Studio Ghibli movies. I think this is actually my third. I've seen Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, all of which I, I really enjoyed. Um, also not being typically a big anime person. Uh, but, I mean, they are the best in the business or yeah. definitely up there with... They're the... Not the best. Uh, gold standard, I guess. Yeah. With it. And, you know, this being his last movie, allegedly, until the next one yeah. is... It's like Liam Neeson with action movies. This yeah. is my last action movie. And then he makes another Until movie. that next one, yeah. <laughs> now, coming in at number four, we do have something in my wheelhouse, and that's a nice action movie, and that's John Wick Chapter 4. Hell yeah. My God, what a movie. Dudes rock. Dudes rock the movie. <laughs> I've always been a huge fan of that franchise, uh, but just literally from the word go, my jaw was on the floor with the action filmmaking that was on display in this movie it was is probably one of the best american action movies that i've seen and just the fact that they've been able to scale up this little like what the first one had like no budget and they're like oh yeah let's go see the keanu reeves action movie yeah. i'm sure that'll be good dude, people forget where his career was yeah. when that first one came out dude no it was yeah. not he was not as big of a name as he it was yeah. kind of like iron man with robert downey jr yeah. it's like he was on the downfall exactly mm -hmm. Yeah, like the first one has like no budget, and I think Chad Sullivan is a great uh, action director. I'm very excited for his Highlander remake, Henry Cavill. Yes, um, and just made me excited, and just all the influences of all the great action movies and action stars, and the love that just went into it, and it really goes to show what happens when you can when you're actually doing practical stunt work and taking the time to develop the stunts and the action, how that all flows together. Also just has some of the best side characters in the business. We are in the top three now. Bring us home. All Bring right. My number three is The Holdovers. Uh, I You had saw the movie well before me, and uh, I didn't get a chance to catch it in theaters, unfortunately. I did end up renting it. Uh, just a great movie. It's a feel-good. I mean, you don't feel good for parts of it, but the end you just sort of feel very fulfilled with what the story promised and where the characters are being set up to. You know, we love a lovable curmudgeon. Yes. Um, it's great to see Paul Giamatti, who's always been a great actor, maybe not in the best of movies at times, but to sort of get this recognition that he needs. Yeah. A strong debut from the guy who plays the uh, kid in the movie. Yeah. And a fantastic turn by uh, Divine, Divine Joy, Joy Randolph, Randolph yeah. who Brilliant. is definitely going to be in awards. Yes. I think she's already won quite a few. She's won a few of them, point. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and just overall, just a, a great, definitely going to be in the holiday rotation, I think, for me, for coming years. Number two is Martin Scorsese's Killer of the Flower Moon. What a great year for long-ass movies, though. Can we <laughs> just say that? Like, you know, sometimes when you get a long movie, you're like, I don't know about this. But like between Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, I was engaged with all of these. Um, I was not familiar with the story. Uh, I'd never read the book, The uh, Osage Murders. Um, but... You know, it's great to see Martin Scorsese coming back, reminding us that he's one of the greatest directors to do it. And just all everything surrounding it and the care and attention that went into the representation of the Osage people, 
where you have all these consultants and everything speaking very highly of Martin Scorsese's work on it. And again, with their touching sentiments of it should have been an Osage story, it should have been Osage people, but it's great to see this getting into the mainstream. People are learning about this. And um, has a very interesting ending, which I was unsure of when I watched it. And the more it sat with me, just the more I realized how much I enjoyed the movie, which is even more of a hurdle because I don't really like DiCaprio. Which is and this is in my number two. Me in the years of our friendship. But let me tell you, though, speaking of Martin Scorsese reminding us that he can do it, so did Robert De Niro. Dude, he, one of the best performances he's given in a long time. And it's crazy that he's at the point where he can do About My Father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Killers of the Flower Moon. And it's just like, no, just a wonderful story. And Lily Gladstone's performance. Like, I think. Dude, to me, she stole the movie. I think she's the clear winner for the Oscar. Unless, like, the. You gotta see poor things. I do have to see poor things. It's. <laughs> But I think it'll but, definitely but come dude, to her and Emma Stone. Oh, she's in contention for sure. I mean, she's definitely the nomination. A, a thousand least. percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. And then my number one. Are you ready here? Yeah. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Hell yeah. Because why not? <laughs> no, I mean, I loved the first uh, Spider-Verse movie. Um, you know, no one was really expecting much from it, especially with Sony's track record with Spider-Man movies, even though they have made the best and also the worst Spider-Man movies, uh, Sony's universe of Spider-Man characters, non-excluding. Um, and just the way they were able to take that concept, scale it up in a way that felt organic and not like overbearing as well. And a uh, great villain. And what a year for Jason Schwartzman. He had, uh, yeah. the lead of Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Yeah. He was in, uh, the new Hunger Games movie voicing Spot, which I assume he'll be back for the sequel oh, yeah. or the third movie sequel to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, just the things they were able to do from an animation standpoint was worth the weight of how long the gap was between all of them. And I'm so excited to see what they do going forward with it because they have to keep upping that and filled with tons of fun surprises and Easter eggs and the emotional story and the arc the characters all go on was just fantastic. Yeah. And that is why it is my number one of the year. Yes. Hell of a list. Let's, let's give him some applause. Let's give him some, some applause. Hell of a list. Hell of a list, sir. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, great. Great stuff. All right. Uh, I will now transition into to my top 10 list. As I said at the top of the video, um, I saw 101 movies, so making a top 10 list was an absolute nightmare. Um, like I said, the top 25 link is in the description, and I will give a couple of the honorable mentions that were on there really quick. You know, movies like John Wick 4, Poor Things, Godzilla Minus One, you'll find those in that top 25. So if you want to see that list, please click on the description below. But let's dive in to the top 10, Nicholas. Hear me with it. Uh, my number 10 was a little film called Barbie. Maybe you've heard of it? I have. Yeah, just a small indie, small indie film that just kind of pipped up on the radar there. That Barbie movie. Um... You know, going to what you said, had no right to be as good as it was, but what were we expecting with Greta Gerwig? And it was such a well-told story in such a beautifully constructed way, in a way that knew exactly what it was when it wanted to be silly, but then knew exactly how to be serious when it needed to be. And the movie has so much emotional resonance with everyone. I mean, there are people who would tell you that this movie is anti one thing or the other. I don't think they watched the same movie that I did because it clearly is not that. It is a movie for everyone that everyone can love, can enjoy. Barbie's fantastic. It's number 10. Uh, my number nine film, this caused some controversy in the fucking group. Uh, my number nine film is a horror film called Talk to Me. Uh, in my group, right, I was practically the only one who loved it. We had a couple of people who thought it was okay. Some people outright hated it. I love this film. 
I think that it is not only exceptionally well made for being a $4 million movie, not only is it a great directorial debut, I think this is a harrowing story about drug addiction while also being a beautiful story about grief making you do things that are hurting other people and you not being able to look in a mirror and see that happening. And I think the way that this film tells that story is unbelievable. It moves quick. It has a brilliant ending. I love the way the film ends. And they are making talk to me. If they don't call it that, I I will be upset. <laughs> but they are making that, and I am really looking forward to going to see it. And I'm glad that A24 can get in the franchise game. I mean, I was kind of middle of the road on that one, but I think it was definitely one of the stronger horror movies that came out last year. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, my number eight film is Past Lives. Uh, we share a couple movies on our lists. Uh, going to what you were saying, Past Lives, it's a beautifully told story. It's a very realistic story. And not just in the way of like, oh, this happens to people. But, you know, there are characters in the movie who, if it was any other filmmaker, they would be overreacting to something that's small to create some sort of tension to try to drive something later. But the reaction, and this on part of the brilliant actors in the film as well, the reaction of uh, the husband character in this movie to what's going on is obviously uncomfortable. But he's a good person, so he's not going to prevent things and cause an unnecessary drama that would have dragged the movie down. Mm -hmm. it, lets the, it lets them continue telling the story that they set out to tell. And I think those perfectly human moments is what really kind of brings this movie home. And yes, it is emotionally devastating. As, as many, I looked at my list, there are many emotionally devastating movies on here. It's a sad year for movies. <laughs> yeah, movies yeah. were sad. Movies were sad. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, Past Lives, beautiful film. Um, number seven is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I did think it was a slight improvement over the first film. No knock on the first film. I just think this film is that good. Uh, I think that the way that this story not only played out is a relatively longer movie for animation, and it moved quickly. I thought each world having its own animation style was a great choice, and it looked and felt great. The setup that they... The arc that they've started with Miles in this movie that's going to continue to the next one is a fascinating one for fans of the Spider-Man character. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. And this movie was, even though it's a part one, I thought it was an immensely satisfying experience. And I'm very glad that I saw it. And the fact that they called everything canon events. That, oh my God. You cannot disturb so, the canon. I love so it. good. So, so good. Uh, my number six may surprise some people. My number six is a movie called Blackberry. Uh, there were a lot of corporate movies this year where it'd be air flaming hot blackberry i'm missing some like there were several and a lot of people are thinking like really like it's gonna be that guys barbie <laughs> yeah well barbie but but guys yeah. i thought the movie was fantastic like not not even from yes i'm a big sunny fan and glenn howerton's in the film and by the way he fucking crushes it best supporting actor is a tough race this year so he probably won't get in but if he did i would not be upset about it i don't think he has the juice to win but He's definitely up there for Oh, he's he's great. And but not even just him. The film, the way that it's shot, edited, especially the editing. This it's not gonna get a best editing nomination, which is gonna upset me. I think this is one of the best edited films I watched this year. Mm -hmm. The way that this film moves, this movie feels like it's forty five minutes long. Like when the movie's over, you're like, Oh shit. Like we just watched a whole movie. And it's not in a way where it ends unsatisfactory when it ends. Like it builds up and it falls. But it moved so the pacing. That's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. The pacing is so fantastic. You're encapsulated the whole time. And when you're going to make a movie about a story that's so familiar to so many people, you have to make it interesting so it doesn't come across as stale. And this movie is anything 
but stale. It's immensely satisfying, it's very entertaining, and it's an exceptionally well made. Another incredibly low budget film as well. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend Blackberry. Top five. Top five, here we go. Number five is Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, another shared one on our list. Yeah. Um, this film is three and a half hours long. It feels three and a half hours long, but I don't know what you can remove. Mm-hmm. And typically, when I think a film is long, I try to offer, like, oh, I think this was a repeated beat. You could have taken that out, or you could have, you know. I think everything you saw needed to be in the story. And I think that's really all you can do when you're telling a story as complex, as deep, as dark as this movie is. And um, it's just harrowing. Mm-hmm. It's harrowing, but not only something that Martin Scorsese does better than anyone, you know, the goat. He takes characters that most filmmakers would just mark as this is the villainous character and so they do bad things they're bad and he makes them human it doesn't excuse their actions it doesn't say what they're oh it's not trying to sympathize with them but it's showing you that it's a fully 3d complex human being which almost makes the atrocities worse because you're connecting to them as a person and it just brings a whole new level that someone only like scorsese can do so Killers of the Flower Moon, it is a watch. You might have to split it up. It's an excellent film. And I love it. What you said, too, just the way Martin Scorsese portrays killing on screen mm. is just so, like, every... Even when it's, like, a, a bad character dying, you're just like, oh. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's rough. Uh, my number four film is a film that I caught... It was one of the last movies I watched in 2023. I was able to catch a screening at a theater in downtown Orlando. It's called Society of the Snow, which is now streaming on Netflix. Uh, it tells the familiar story that some people know of the um, the plane of the rugby team in Uruguay that crashed in the Andes Mountains, and it's a tale of survival. This movie's been told before in many different movies, documentaries. This is the best version of this story ever told, in my opinion. Um, if you're going to have a survival story, you have to be able to balance hope, optimism, and then we're all going to die pessimism. The way that it balances those two without feeling like a ping pong of back and forth and the way that it builds tension and the way that it builds emotion is so exceptionally well done it's i think it's like two hours and 20 minutes it's not a short movie and the whole time you were just biting your nails on the edge of your seat like oh my god i can't believe like people had to go through what these people are going through i believe it was directed by jay Bayona who directed the impossible okay and i believe it's going to be I don't know if it's Spain's. It's a Spanish-speaking movie. Um, I don't know which country is submitting it, but it will be submitted for Best International Feature. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Top three. Top three. My number three is The Iron Claw. And I know this is also a film you have not seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a movie that I expected to be good, and I grew up relatively a wrestling fan, so I was aware of the Von Erich family and, like, the, the tragedy. Seeing it on screen is an entirely different monster. It's... This is the most emotionally devastating movie I've seen this year. It, but it's not devastating for the sake of being devastating. It's just telling you the story and you experiencing the story. And how it's told through Kevin Von Erich, Zac Efron's character's perspective for the most part. Mm-hmm. And just how someone can go through so much tragedy and how it affects their life and their relationship with, their, with a toxic family member. Just how that all shapes up and builds is not only immensely satisfying... There's not a bad performance among the bunch, and most movies would forget about the side characters that are important, but each character gets a finished arc in the movie. Every single character that you practically every single character that you see in the movie. 
And like, and I'm kind of waiting for it. Like I'm watching the movie thinking like, oh, they're going to forget about the Von Erich mother. Like, like she's going to fall off. Never does. As soon as you think like, oh, this character's, we're not going to see much of her. She comes in, has a beautifully emotional scene. And then it keeps going to even where her arc gets wrapped up at the end of the film as well. Like everything about this movie was well done. It's devastating without trying to like put it in your face. Like cry, you're going to cry. You know, like it's just telling you what happened and watching these events unfold knowing that it's not going to be good and with the way the film wraps up is unbelievable and here's the thing Zac Efron I think might have gotten a little bit too late into campaigning for the best actor nomination he deserves one he deserves one I I'm not familiar with the story so I don't know the tragedy associated with it Buddy. but I saw I saw a t- uh, uh, like a tweet online that someone was like it's insane to me that they had to cut out elements of the story because no one would believe that that it that, was, that, that like, really happened real. yeah, yeah yeah you know the story's sad when you gotta make it change it to make it seem more realistic yeah yeah like it's that's insane i i'm excited to watch it but also not oh, because dear. if <laughs> like you know like yeah it's devastating uh my number two film is christopher nolan's oppenheimer there we go um christopher nolan's my favorite filmmaker anyone who's watched the channel knows this about me um it was number one for a while until i saw my number one film um, at three hours, and I know not everyone has this experience, to me, I was encapsulated from the moment it started to the moment it ended, the way that it deals with kind of the whole Jurassic Park question of we were so caught up with whether we could, we didn't stop to think of whether we should, mm-hmm. and realizing it's t- too late, like the, the whole arc with Oppenheimer at the beginning of the movie when he kind of tries to poison somebody but then has a nightmare that someone innocent would get hurt so he changes his mind and then realizing far too late that he's just done that to an entire country of people. Like, like just stuff like that and the, 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 the chain reaction question throughout the movie and the definition of that and what that means. And just throughout his whole relationship. And I mentioned it and when we reviewed the film that when I got into the communism, I was like, is this going to rather agree or disagree? Is this going to do that thing where we just go in like a 40-minute tirade about how like communism is bad? And it didn't do that. It was just presenting that as part of his story, as part of Florence Pugh's character, and as part of the trial that was ongoing with him. I thought that the different storylines were interesting. I thought that this was the only way to tell this movie was in this structure. I think if you told the movie linearly, it'd be very boring. Um, I love this film. And I haven't watched it all the way through again, but I had I turned it on to turn it on in the background as, as I was cleaning the house a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I realized I was not cleaning. cleaning I was just up. watching the movie and I was like, shit, I have to turn it off because I, <laughs> I really had to clean stuff up. So it's just like movies like that don't come around that often. Mm-hmm. And like the, the score is brilliant. The cinematography is brilliant. Fired on all cylinders for me. Love Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. My number one film of the year. It's a film that profoundly moved me when I saw it in theaters. Not only emotionally, just in every emotion humans can have this movie made me feel. And that is The Holdovers. Um, I know a lot of people who work in education. And I think this is a must-watch for people who work in education. It could be any aspect of education. I think it's a must-watch. Um, the way that this story is about family. And about how each person in the film is missing some portion of family. And finds people to fill that gap together. And... The way it's set at Christmas time, this movie is like the equivalent of a warm hug. It like it feels nice when you're in the world of the movie. I didn't want the movie to end, and it's fascinating. You know, when you're when you make films and stuff, you don't want things to drag. 
And so you can look at a final runtime and be like, ah, oh, but does it drag? Like, what do I cut out? Like, what do I do? The movie's not short. It's like 2.15. Mm-hmm. I didn't want the movie to stop. The whole time, I'm just like, I, I can just watch this go yeah. on forever. And, you know, the performances, as you mentioned, phenomenal. The It really commits to looking like a 70s film, both the way it was shot, how it was shot. It, it even opens with, like, the old school logos. And, like, normally when something does that, I'm like, oh, it's not going to commit to the bit. Oh, it commits. Opening credits and all. Big yeah. time. Like, and it... I don't know. The the world was just so inviting. Everyone was a fully fleshed, fully realized character. And what you learn about each other, you know, down to realizing like, oh, this person's on the same medicine as me. Like that, there's such profoundness throughout this entire film. I've seen it twice now. Mm -hmm. Both times I watched it, it ended and I'm like, yep, that's the best movie I watched this year. When when you decide that a movie I'm gonna watch this movie every year at Christmas time, that's a good fucking movie, which true. I plan on doing with the holdovers, mm-hmm. and uh, I highly recommend people seek this movie out. It's a beautiful story, and it's the fact that it's kind of like past lives in a way, and that it feels so real, and the people you're watching feel like people you know in your life that it almost feels personal mm-hmm. throughout everything that goes on. And there's also subtlety to the story that I think is brilliant. Uh, there's a, this is not going to make sense to you if you haven't seen the movie, but I'm going to say a line that I think is amazing. And it's there. Paul Giamatti and the kid are walking outside of a store. And Paul Giamatti says, yeah, but you know, Barter boys, Barton boys, they go to Harvard, they go to Yale. And the kid says, but not Curtis Lamb. And Paul Giamatti goes, but not Curtis Lamb. And then they move on. If you've seen the movie, holy shit, it's such a good moment. You don't know what the fuck I just said if you've never seen it. But, guys, unbelievable movie. Love the holdovers. That's the fucking list, dude. Yes. And Paul Giamatti has a Bigfoot podcast. Yes, there, he does. And therefore, he is the number one contender for the Oscar this year in my yes, eyes. He has a podcast about Bigfoot, and it's brilliant. Um, yeah, dude, the Oscar. What a year. We're going to get into like the Oscar videos. Dude, it's fucking tight. The races are tight as shit. I, it's going to be terrible. I feel like the past couple of years, there have been like very clear winners where you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. This is going to sweep all the technical categories. And this year, everything's just like a toss-up. Yeah, dude, it's a toss-up. And, like, not since 2019 is it every category. Mm-hmm. Like, typically, there's one or two categories that are like this. This could go either way. It's all of the categories where that could happen. And it's... it's It comes down to who ends up actually getting the nominations. Yes. Because I feel like with every... For the acting side of thing, there's, yeah. like, ten people that can be nominated in each yes. category. Yes, 100%. It's just, like, who gets it. Yeah. A thousand percent, which we're going to dive into. A hundred percent. By the way, the other episode this week, which I'm deciding right now, it's going to be Wednesday night and Thursday morning for the audio. Boom, we did it. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, The next episode of the podcast, uh, we're going to be ranking the DCEU. The DCEU came to an end with Aquaman 2, and we are going to rank all every project in the DCEU. We're going to have a list for the theatrical editions and the uh, director's cut editions. And see how they place a little bit differently. But don't worry, we'll do it in a way where it's not a four-hour video. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Be looking forward to that. It's coming out soon. We are back. We are back. And please let us know in the comments your top tens yes. as well. We'd we love would to love, see. love to see them. Absolutely. And, and next week, uh, on the episodes next week, we will be back to, with the movie news and more stuff to talk about in that regard. Yes. It will be fun. And of course, the box office! The box office. That's all coming soon. So uh, good to be back. So, I'm excited. Me too. Gonna be a good year. 
Good to see you. Good to see you, buddy. We've seen each other practically every day. Every since, day since hiatus. But, but, they, but, did, but they, they didn't know that. Yes. So it's good to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode.